Welcome to Bite Size Dental Marketing. Today I have Dr. Valerie Preston. Dr. Preston runs VP Dental in Raleigh, North Carolina. She completed her undergraduate degree in dental hygiene at Ohio State University. And the her dental degree, yeah, the Ohio State University. I love the, the uh, uh -huh. and her dental degree at the University of Maryland at the Baltimore Dental School. For over 30 years, she's been working in general and cosmetic dentistry. She's a member of the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, the American Dental Association, and the North Carolina Dental Society. I know that you've done great mission trips down to Mexico and Dominican Republic, but before we get into that, I would love to understand your journey into dentistry. Give me your origin story. So basically, I feel like I was born to be a dentist. I have no qualifications in any other field at all, literally. So um, when I was young, about eight, third grade-ish, I had a small accident, like many kids do, broke a front tooth. I ended up going to a dentist who was absolutely amazing. He reminded me of Trapper John MD, if that doesn't show my age. And he was the nicest guy. He was super friendly. He had a great relationship with his staff. He made me feel super comfortable. And I remember thinking at that young age, this is a job for me. He's basically having a good conversation with his assistant. He's not, he doesn't have a desk job and he gets to sit here and play with arts and crafts all day. And I really loved arts and crafts. So I was like, this is a job for me. No dentistry <laughs> in my family at all. All my uncles made fun of me and said, they have a high suicide rate. You shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And my dad was an engineer. My mom said, you should be an engineer. And I said, yeah, not, not for me. So, you know, I kept my path. When I got to undergrad, my dad said, do not do pre-med, do not do pre-dent because you will be a biologist forever. I thought, what the heck am I going to do? I want to stay in dentistry. So they had just opened a program at Ohio State for a four-year degree um, where you learned expanded functions, placing restorations, placing fillings, basically, and getting all your pre-dent requirements in too. So now I know that I'm at least going to be a dental hygienist when I graduate in case I don't get mm -hmm. into dental school. So I stay in the dental field. The years in between, I was working for a dentist as an assistant, absolutely loved it even more. There was nothing else I could ever possibly imagine doing. So um, graduated at the top of my class, loved every little bit of dental hygiene and dentistry. My husband got a, got a job at in Baltimore. He said, yeah, there's one dental school out there, so that's where you're going to probably have to apply. So I applied to the University of Maryland Dental School, got in there had an awesome class, great experience. I mean, it was just something I just loved to do. Ended up training my half my class on how to do fillings because I was already doing them. You know, since I was a hygienist, training a bunch of them on how to clean teeth. So <laughs> that was an easy thing for me to do. So dental school really wasn't that difficult for me. And I just loved it. Did a perio clerkship while I was in dental school. And, uh, you know, I liked it, but I didn't love it. I really liked to do the whole big picture. I didn't want to be confined in one specialty even though my yeah. husband would have loved to, for me to be a specialist, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. I really like having the relationship with my patients. That's really my passion. That's what I did. So when I got out of dental school, I was already working for a couple offices as a dental hygienist. They immediately offered for me to come in as an associate so that I went straight into dentistry and haven't looked back since then. I started out in Maryland. We were, my husband was actually transferred to North Carolina, which was a blessing in disguise. So came down here back in those days, they had no reciprocity. So it was another board exam for me. And that was a lot of fun. So <laughs> with that got started here. Raleigh was just a small town then that was back in 97. 
you know, we thought where would be a good place to start a dental practice because I did not want to buy somebody else's problems. I knew that from all my years in dental hygiene. I wanted to do dentistry my way, but it's worked out really well. Opened my doors in on February 14th of 2000, you know, just me and one other lady. And we have just gone, been going gangbusters ever since then. And now Raleigh has grown up around us. It's become a big metro, metropolitan mm-hmm. area. You know, it's just worked out really well. I'm able to do the dentistry I like to do. I don't let insurance dictate what I, what I do. I let dentistry dictate what I do. And, um, you know, serving my patients is what I do best. A lot of them have been with me from the beginning and a lot of their kids have grown up right in front of me and now are parents of their own. So talk about feeling old. I know on the pre-show we were talking about the little, the little signs of our life that make us feel old. I'm sure seeing a kid, you know, from, from one of your first patients is, is in that list. Yeah. Walk me through the vision that you like for a new patient to experience and a little bit about the brand. I I think our vision has pretty well remained the same. We have evolved as technology has evolved. So obviously the way we do dentistry now is not how we started Mm -hmm. because things have definitely changed over the years. You know, in the beginning, I was really utilizing a lot of my specialists to kind of be co-partners with me to get bigger treatment cases done. But let me kind of back up a little bit. When I said my philosophy is a little different than how, what I graduated with or what I saw in dentistry for a long time was what I'll call dentistry 2.0. And that's fix it as it's broken kind of dentistry. Mm. So, you know, you come to the dentist, you have one failed tooth, let's do crown a crown. There's no look at the big picture, no real concerns about how your teeth affect your overall health. You know, it's just kind of basically, you know, let's kind of wait till things break and then fix it. And then we'll see you next time and there'll be something else, which I have found leads to a lot of dental anxiety. People don't like to come to the dentist because they're like, what are you going to find the next time? You know, Mm -hmm. there's always something and that just really, you know, gets their anxiety going and it's really, you know, daunting for them, right? That's not a positive experience. So my philosophy from having a lot of older patients and watching them do everything right, coming to the dentist regularly, taking care of their teeth and still having problems at an older age where their teeth are breaking down, they're needing teeth taken out. It's not their fault. It's very frustrating and very expensive. So my philosophy is dentistry 3.0, which is let's get everything fixed and in the proper place now so that you can function properly going into your older years and not have to be concerned that you're going to lose your teeth like your parents or grandparents did. The way we approach our new patients is let's take a look at the whole big picture, starting with the bite, because that's usually the source of the problem. Let's get the bite right so that your teeth are functioning properly. And if your teeth are functioning properly, they're less likely to break down long term. And that has worked incredibly well. The patients that have bought into that and really understood where I'm coming from, very preventative minded, because nothing is better than your own teeth. I love Mm -hmm. to do dentistry, but there's nothing better than what God gave you. So if we can keep that as long as possible, you are in much better shape. You know, the patients that have done that and we have them in retention, they come in twice a year. It is so fun to tell them, you look great. See you in six months. They appreciate that because they're in a great place. And I'm not saying that nothing ever happens. Weird things happen, but the risks are so low compared to if you just let it all leave it to faith. Yeah. I have to believe that if you can get the bite honed in to where, you know, there's, there's nice pressure along and there's no odd things that you, you know, you're going to increase the wear on your bite. And I think that's great because, you know, I always tell the story about my wife. Emily uh, had a small tooth uh, chip and uh, she went to see a dentist one time. The, the dentist, it, it, was, it was so interesting. He came in and said, you have a chip tooth, your bite's out of alignment, you need Invisalign. 
and it was like a very abrupt conversation and she left not believing him and she ended up going to another dentist a few years later he took the time to kind of sit down and and talk about his approach and his philosophy and it was you know very in line with yours and he said before i you know i think you're going to continue to have some of these problems unless we fix your bite and it was so nice to hear that approach because i think it really resonates with patients when they when they buy in i, th I think you nailed it when you said you used to work with a lot of specialists on bigger cases you know, you have someone that needs some, that needs some ortho. There's some, you know, future restorations that maybe they're not happy with their smile. Walk me kind of through your happy path of what their experience would be. As my staff would tell you, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist and I like to have things in my control. So yes, I utilize some of my specialists I've been using for a long time. Anything I can do in my office, I have felt my patients really appreciate that. So mm -hmm. I do anything from molar root canals to Invisalign to a little bit of gum surgery. You know, I, I'm very careful. I, do, I don't do anything outside my realm. So if something's a little too much for me, they go to my specialist. I do probably 200 to 500 CE hours a year. I'm a CE junkie. You know, I try to keep things in house as much as I can. It is because patients are much more comfortable that way. That's worked out really well. I like the control of getting the bite set up functionally. And sadly, I find many of my orthodontists don't do that. They are used to seeing the teenagers make their smile look pretty and that's it, but they're not married mm -hmm. to the patient. So they don't see all the problems that come down the road. And I'm used to that. So I'm setting them up to have that real good functional bite. So it looks great, but it also functions well as well. So, you know, I don't use as many orthodontists as I used to for that reason. Now there's still a place for it. I'm not going to deal with kids and their growth patterns and all that. So, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. careful what I, what I pick and choose from, but for the most part, it has worked great. And we've helped a lot of people, even with TMJ issues, you know, a lot of people are out there getting migraines and they don't understand that it could be related to their bite. So it's really fun when you can actually, you know, help them out to a point where they feel like they can enjoy life again. I have a sidebar question for you. Since you opened your practice, in your opinion, what is the greatest advancement or technology in dentistry you've seen Ooh. in your career? We have a CEREC machine, so we enjoy making our crowns in-house. Again, I'm a control freak. I can only blame myself if the lab work doesn't come out now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I really enjoy that piece of it. Plus the patients really enjoy not having to come back again. So, you know, anything that benefits them benefits me is how I look at it. So we've had that machine, new, newer versions of that machine, of course, probably for the last 15 years or so. That's really been a great piece of technology. Uh, we have scanners. People really don't like having that goopy impression material in their mouth. Oof, so having a scanner is really great. It's really fun. The younger patients have no idea what alginate is, which is blows my mind, but it's so nice to not have to, you know, gag everybody with it. So <laughs> anything to give our patients a better experience is good for me. So that's where I'm at with that. Uh, we've had lasers, we have a cone beam machine, we have, um, you know, the digital impressions, we have intraoral scanners, you know, and everything we have, we use, you know, because if it makes the patient's experience better, it makes our experience better. I had a feeling that you were going to go to the CEREC. Um, I think I read a statistic and don't quote me on the actual numbers because it was, you know, some time ago, but like, most emergency, most existing patient emergency calls are on temporaries. Oh, you know, and, right. the, and the fixing and the CEREC 
no one has a temporary, right? It's, no. it's, it's mm -hmm. been one of the technology advancements that have used them. The cone beams are amazing. I do find that most average consumers don't understand the power of the hard and soft tissue and being able to see the nerves and, right. and, 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 you know, it's such a nice full view of what's happening and even getting into, you know, some of the palate widening and stuff is, is pretty wild. I want to talk about dental anxiety. And they say there's two reasons that people have not gone to the dentist for, you know, for centuries and fear and money. I find fear to be mislabeled. I, I think it's shame. And at Florida this year, I told a story about, uh, I was born in the middle of Oklahoma and my grandparents had a fridge dedicated to Coke. Yep. Wrestled my whole life, uh, dipped Copenhagen from, gosh, I had to be in eighth grade. Uh -huh. until I was 30 and I, I did not go to the dentist until I was 27 years old and I sit down and I think he was trying to be funny. Uh, I cannot remember his name. I can't remember much about him and I, I, I needed some work done. And I remember the only thing I remember about the entire appointment, he said, I've seen better teeth on 60 year olds. And what a rude it, comment. I, I, it was, it was harsh. Wow. And I remember just being mortified at that and it, it broke my heart and and you know I, I knew i had bad i knew i didn't have good teeth you know anyway lo, there's a whole long story of what led me to today but what is your approach to that I, I mean there's there's millions of americans out there that have not been to the dentist and, and not prioritizing oral care mm -hmm. and then they reach a, an event there's something where now it becomes a priority what is it from your side so I remind my team about how people feel because I, I'm very keenly aware of this. And my assistant who's worked with me knows this too. We are super welcoming because we understand that that's a very real anxiety or re re very real fear. And we've addressed mm -hmm. that with so many patients. I've had patients that have come in and sat in my chair and they're like, I just want them all taken out. I can't deal with it anymore. And we've really become very patient and, you know, talk to them about it, really tried to help them understand that, you know, keeping their own teeth is the best option. We really try mm -hmm. to develop a strong relationship first because before they're a dental patient, they're human. So we want to make sure that we always address them. I tell my staff all the time, if you have a new patient that comes in, who's an emergency, a lot of times they haven't gotten sleep. They feel miserable. We never judge that because we know that the next time they come back, if they feel so much better, they're a completely different person. Mm -hmm. So just really working with those people to help them, you know, understand that they're in a, they're in a safe place. They don't have to worry that anybody's going to judge them. And it's very true. We never talk about anybody's dental work. We might talk about somebody who's rude. We might talk about somebody who did something, you know, outside the office, funny, like just personality wise, but we would never talk about somebody's teeth. But to us, that's just the name of the game. This is what we do. And actually we're more excited for somebody who is anxious or doesn't have good dental health because that's an opportunity for us. That's an opportunity for us to really turn that patient around, make them comfortable, make them, you know, not feel anxious when they come in. And we have done it time and time again. That's one of our best attributes is we make our patients feel very, very comfortable. You know, at one point we thought about getting, it was kind of a trend a while back to get into sedation dentistry. Mm -hmm, and we mm -hmm. started to go through all the hoops. And then we thought, you know, we actually like to talk to our patients. We don't want them to be out while we're working on them. So we nixed that and we're like, forget it. If they're anxious, we'll give them a little sedate. We'll give them a little anti-anxiety medication. 
and we'll walk them through the procedures. And usually once they've come in one or two times, they know the name of the game. They know how we're going to treat them. They understand what's going on. They're a completely different person. Now I have people that have moved away and they were like that in the beginning. And now they come back, you know, from Asheville, from Florida, from Atlanta, from anywhere they've moved to, they come back just for their recall visits because they're, they're comfortable with us. And they, you know, they're like family. And I, I know that's so cliche, but really, truly, we lost one of our patients recently. He was in his mid eighties. He had had oral cancer a long time ago. He was like the grandfather of our practice. We enjoyed mm. him so much. It was devastating when he passed away. I, I do think that in the general population, there's this fear of when you leave an office, they're giggling about, you know, your crossbite or whatever. That, that is never. I've been in so many offices and I, I have never mm -mm. heard an office make fun of a patient's teeth. Now, Absolutely. I haven't either. It doesn't yeah. happen. And if anything, we look at it like this is going to be a fun case. We're going to be able to turn mm -hmm. this around and get them out of pain and in a functional bite. And we get very excited about it. Once they see that we're excited about it and we can show them kind of what we've done with other patients, they're on board. And I think that anxiety, you know, is alleviated pretty quickly. No, I agree. I think that's a great approach. I, I the IV sedation movement and all this, oh man, I, that, that's such a complex topic. I, mm -hmm. I, I love that. Let's solve the core issue of why you're anxious and let's work through yeah. that. I, I think the outcome will be better. Talk me through your new patient experience. Um, you know, do you do comb beam or pano on everybody? Do they, do they, you send them to hygiene? Do they come talk to you? Talk from, you know, from the minute they call. It okay, really is good. not one size fits all. We really try to listen right off the bat where they're coming from. Are they just new to the area? Have they been seen regularly? Are they anxious? Are they concerned about, you know, finances? Are they concerned about a bad experience that they had before? So we really listen right off the bat. So we try to get to know our, our new patients before they even come in. We want to know, you know, who sent them, how did they find out about us, you know, what their concerns are. And we try to address those pretty quickly. They always see me first, but they always see one of my assistants first, you know, who gets, you know, we sit down with them, we develop a relationship. That's real important. I have two amazing assistants. They become the patient's kind of concierge. So their person to kind of walk them through all the procedures. So they don't feel like they're getting pawned off and who do I need to talk to if I have a question after I leave this appointment. You know, we try to walk with them every step of the way. This is who we are. You know, we try to explain our philosophy. You know, we we really get a feel of their past medical history, their past dental history, you know, what kind of experiences they've had. Everything plays into it. And then we try to kind of give them sort of a broad overview and feel where they are. So somebody might want to have a cleaning right away. And that's okay if it's possible. Somebody else might have not been to a dentist in a long time and we just need to get a big picture of where everything is and kind of weed through everything. You know, we'll take the x-rays that are needed, nothing more. They'll get a cone bean if needed. But again, it's not a one size fits all. It really depends on what they've had done. I'm not going to take a cone beam on a 18 year old that just had wisdom teeth out. Not necessary, mm -hmm. you know? So, right. you know, it's very individualized, but we always do an oral cancer screening. Um, we always incorporate their health history. That's a big deal. There are a lot of people walking around who might come to see me, but maybe haven't seen a medical doctor in a while. And that may play into what's going on in their, in their life. That's a big thing too, is we really try to educate our patients on how important dental is to their overall health. The new studies show that P. gingivalis, which is a primary bacteria that contributes to gum disease has been showing up in, in stroke victims. If you have a history of stroke, you need to know that you need to floss your teeth, not because your teeth, because of your health.
-hmm. And education is a really big team. My assistant who's been with me forever, she is a big educator. She loves to talk to the patients about, you know, education. This is the why behind everything. This is why you need to do something. Don't just do it because we're telling you to do it. I love what you said about the medical doctor. I think, you know, Ted on our team where you've met him, it was at the dentist that he found out that he had high blood pressure. Not surprising. We find it all the time. And he went mm-hmm. to the doctor and the doctor, his primary care was like, oh my God, how did we miss it? You basically, you know, and yeah. yeah, it was at the doctor. And another one, Rachel Wall, I believe, who's up in your neck of the woods. She runs Inspired Hygiene. Yep. Mm-hmm. She had a dentist friend that said, you know, hey, you've got a, a lump that you need looked at. I, I really don't like it. And, and, you know, it, but yeah, it was a dentist. Well, the oral cancer screening is, we've been doing those for years. The patient that I was talking about who just passed away had oral cancer before he became a patient of mine. And I'm so happy that I actually did a video interview with him last fall about oral cancer, you know, just to prevent other people from going down that path, you know, or just to understand what it's like to be a survivor of oral cancer. It's not Mm -hmm. fun. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So anything we can do to catch it early or prevent it, we're all about it. Yeah, that's great. That's mm-hmm. great. Now, you mentioned the the one patient there. If you look back on your career, what's another memorable patient or story that, that sticks out? Oh, we have so many. We have another lady who came in, just absolutely couldn't even communicate with us. She was so distraught. She just said, take all my teeth are hurting. Take them all out. I'm done with them. And we really just kind of backed up, took things very, very slowly you know, told her this is what's happening. And nobody had ever done that with her. You know, she was used to going to clinics where they were just taking a tooth out, taking another tooth out, no explanation. She just thought she had bad teeth and she really didn't. But when you have that mindset, you have a hard time getting over that. You know, we took out some teeth that were unmanageable, fixed up the rest of them, got her some Invisalign, got her some teeth in the back. She is so great. When she comes in here now, no problem at all. I mean, she's just as happy as can be. She's happy to be here. Another case is a lady who we had seen a long time ago, moved away, came back again, and was an absolute mess. And we had to kind of get backtrack and take her from the beginning. And now, again, every time she comes in, she's bringing us gifts. You know, we don't require them, but like she just really feels like we're an extended part of her family. And I love that piece of it. I mean, it just sounds like you guys have built a great team. And I love the from the technology they bring to the approach you bring, I I think it just paints a, a, a wonderful picture of a stellar patient experience and it's, it's really to be commended. We're always looking at the next technology that's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. And now the big thing is sleep dentistry. I don't want to take away from what I do to get into that too much. However, we're seeing a big trend where a lot of kids are not sleeping well and getting diagnosed mm-hmm. with ADHD. So I'm actually putting one of my hygienists through myofunctional training. So she becomes a myofunctional therapist so that we can help the little kids, even though that wasn't where I was going. I saw such a strong need for it. And so many moms were calling our practice saying, do you do this myofunctional therapy? You know, again, dentistry 2.0 is obsolete. People are now into dentistry 3.0. What can you prevent from going down the path that I went down? So now there's a real big push on trying to help kids breathe better at a young age so that their jaws develop better and that way maybe they need a lot less orthodontics than they would have if they wouldn't have. You know, yesterday I saw a case of an open bite who had a tongue thrust and she had never 
had that fixed as a child. So even though orthodontics fixed it, she was back to where she started from. Mm -hmm. We are now trying to say, okay, let's fix these kids while they're little, get them to breathe well, get them to hold their tongue in the right place so that they don't go down this path that I see so many of my adult patients where they've been. I think that's fascinating. Interestingly enough, we're going through that with my daughter right now, making sure that the bite aligns at a young age. And she had a little bit of a cross bite on her right side, but and, and things like that. But yeah, I think that's so why wait until they're 12, 13, 14, when you can alleviate so many issues, you know, at an earlier age. Yeah. Dr. Preston, thank you so much for your time. I loved hearing your talk I, the, from the technology you bring into the office to your approach. I, I think that the patient experience is, is stellar. And Dr. Preston, uh, VP Dental Cosmetic and Family Dentistry in Raleigh, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate being here today.